Boom. And we are live. Hello and welcome to another Chicago Blockchain Real Estate Collective Meetup. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, today joined by my co-host for now. Michael Flight's going to join us in a little bit. He's on a very important call. So we have Jason Ricks here filling in with me for the time being. Jason, happy to have you here with me. Before we dive in today, any updates on your end? Happy New Year. Yeah, great to see you again, Adam. Hope all is well with you as well. Um, Busy start to the new year. Really crazy finish to the end of the year. Uh, Really excited. Can't wait to launch our fund. Uh, The Liberty Fund or the Liberty Real Estate Fund will be live hopefully by the next month. We've had to figure out a last couple of uh, items and nuances to the foreign piece. So just really dotting the I's and crossing the T's on, on making sure that we have everything tied up and getting ready to launch. So very exciting time for us. And not getting a ton of sleep, obviously working around the clock. And I got a uh, baby that's uh, 15 months old. So he's keeping me very active at home as well. Love it. Congratulations. 15 months. That's right. He made it. He's walking around like crazy, opening every drawer. So <laughs> like very busy on my toes. What's the what's the one uh, piece of wisdom that you learned over the past 15 months? Oof. Um, patience. Patience with your wife and with your son. Okay, so you gotta have uh, you gotta have both of those. Love it, love it. All right, well here we go. Time for some for some blockchain. <laughs> we go from babies to blockchain. That's right. Um, that's right. Thank you everyone for for joining us. Everyone who's here live, really appreciate you investing your time with us. Definitely going to get a ton of value out of today. Um, and if you're joining us on the replay, be sure to subscribe there and check out the show notes for links connected to today's message. And if you're listening on the Dream Chasers platform please drop us a rating there as well. Don't forget to subscribe. And there should be a video link uh, to the replay there in the show notes as well. So, all right. The title of our meetup today is Tokenization as a Service. Real quick also, before I forget, I want to give a thank you to our team, Courtney, Jordan, Sharav, Sam, Jason, um, and also the Black Manta marketing team. Everyone's done a really fantastic job making sure this comes full circle here today. So just want to give a big thank you to you guys. Um, but yeah, before we dive in, kind of just want to do a, a quick background, a little bit of an informal introduction before the, the main one. And Jason, I'm going to flip it to you here. Um, could you kind of tell us a little bit about Black Manta and Brian and what we're getting ready to, to learn about here today and, and also our relationship with them? No, absolutely. So look, so uh, I'm super excited to have Brian on. Um, we've engaged Brian. We did a very thorough search Um uh, a lot of months went into this to identify the right type of partner that we could have and uh, someone that understood not only the real estate space, but also the STO and security token space. And uh, Brian and, and Alex and his team have done a tremendous job building a brand that I think is probably one of the best in class. And they have a broad exposure to European markets, which is one of our core competencies that we're trying to achieve with the Liberty Real Estate Fund. So these guys have a ton of knowledge. I think they're probably a few years ahead of a lot of U.S. investors, just given their exposure to STOs and uh, couldn't be more excited to have him a part of our team. And um, shoot, Brian, we just signed up with uh, Black Manta a few months ago and um, got a lot of the applications in and we're we're really kind of going back and forth on this foreign structure. They've been uh, a tremendous help and um, really going to expose us to a lot of investors that uh, wouldn't necessarily see us here from the States. So uh, can't wait to dig into this and just kind of understand more about his company and, and just share his knowledge that he has. 
Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jason. And now here we go, guys. So Brian Elders is a partner at Black Manta uh, with a long track record as a leader in international financial and professional services. He's based in Ireland, Poland, Hungary, Singapore, and Hong Kong. And he has a degree in business and law and qualifications in accounting, treasury, and quant finance. Maybe it's quantum finance. Maybe I got that. <laughs> Brian is a great believer in innovation and passionate about the impact blockchain and digital assets have in global finance. And outside of work, Brian has a great little family. And anytime that he has left in the day, he indulges in watching and playing all sorts of sports, including soccer, darts, which I know darts is actually pretty big here in Newfoundland where I am. That's funny. He's Irish and there's the influence there. <laughs> uh, skiing. Uh, and marathon runs. That's very interesting. And so, Brian, before you break the ice here for us today, I want you to uh, share that FBI story <laughs> that you were telling me about before we got started. It was pretty good. Uh, I just, um, I've uh, had a long and varied career uh, that I can tell you a little bit more about in a second. But I was uh, working with an American company and uh, I was on a board of theirs in Europe. And when I visited their head office in Texas, um, they said I did very well in the exam. And I said, which exam? <laughs> and I said, oh, the, the FBI had, had to check you out because we have some military nuclear business in this company. <laughs> so before you joined the board, they did a review and you passed very well. <laughs> that was the first I knew of it. <laughs> so so he, it was good to know I passed. <laughs> you passed. So yeah, high level of, of clearance here today, guys. Definitely a, a sign for the, the quality of information you're about to receive. So uh, Brian, here we go. The, the stage is yours. We want to encourage everyone as we go throughout the presentation, you can use the Q&A box below and go ahead and type any questions you have for Brian along the way. We're going to have about 15 minutes of Q&A at the end of his presentation. So really want to get the most out of that as well. So don't be shy. And uh, here we go, Brian. The stage is yours. Okay, no problem. I started off today with some slides, which I can go through and present. Um, I'll, I'll bring them up now. But yeah, feel free to ask any questions and I look forward to the Q&A afterwards. So just give me a moment and we'll try and share the screen. Um, there we go. Um, and then if I make it presenting, is that clear to, well, almost clear to everybody? Yep, we're good. To, well, it's loading now. It's loading. Okay, here we go. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> so, this is me, and you heard a little bit about me already. Uh, there's a couple of extra pieces in here that might be relevant. I'm advisor to um, a project called Labs in Hong Kong, which is a property tokenization project. We are also partners of, of Black Manta. Um, and you know, uh, in, in the introduction, uh, it was said some of the countries that I lived in, but I actually did live in the US way back in the 1990s. In 1997, I was in Boston, so uh, I've seen a good bit of the world before I returned here to Ireland. Uh, my professional background is I worked mainly in uh, banking and, and professional services. So I do have a capital markets background before I got sidetracked into uh, all things uh, digital assets. That happened a few years ago uh, when I was living in Singapore. Um, I ended up getting involved in a, a company that on a project that was looking at self-sovereign digital identities. Uh, they're obviously extremely important. Identity is a very important part of how assets change and evolve and move from A to B to C. So uh, that then evolved into an ICO back in the, the heyday of ICOs. Uh, we were one of the early ones out. 
And I think we were the first ICO that ended up in a regulated place. It's in uh, back in 2017. The only place for it was uh, Mauritius, and it's at a financial services sandbox there to this day. So, one of the projects that did what it was supposed to do from that era, and that got me into um, into the whole area of uh, of other digital assets. And by the end of 2017, I've been involved um, in in the setup of uh, a tokenized fund in Singapore. So at that stage, if you look back to the end of 2017, I could see that the whole uh, world of assets from, you know, from, from newer type of assets like Bitcoin and utility tokens or governance tokens, all the way through to old style assets like uh, debt and equity would all be affected by um, this uh, blockchain uh, technology and the tools and techniques and, uh, and uh, schemes that will come with the application of that technology. So, um, I, I was at the time I was working in Hong Kong and um, it actually turned out that it was Europe who that was taking one of the early leads uh, when it comes to uh, the organization of debt equity and other securities. And Black Manta, uh, I was introduced to, to a mutual friend in, in Austria. Black Manta uh, is a multi-STO platform. It's based in Germany and Berlin. It's regulated by BaFin, so the, the SEC equivalent in, in Germany. Because it's in the European Union, it has access to all the 27 countries of the EU through passporting. Uh, used to be into the UK, but due to Brexit, there's a lot of uncertainty about how that will work, but uh, all the rest of the EU. So uh, we have a company in Luxembourg as a holding company. We have a company in Vienna where Alex uh, is based and Christian. And we also have a business development technology company in Dublin and Ireland. So um, the tokenization of a service is a registered trademark of, uh, of Black Manta. And the idea is that we're a, a one-stop shop uh, for tokenizing uh, securities in, in Europe. So if we look at this market, and um, I think, as I was saying, I was sitting in Asia looking over at this, and I was looking at countries like Germany and France uh, really making strides to uh, embrace some of these new ideas. And the European Commission and the European Parliament also appear to be uh, right behind uh, many of these initiatives. And uh, we have here a little bit of you know, some, some information from the European Commission. They see that crypto assets are one of the major applications of blockchain for finance, and they expect the, the market to grow to 2 trillion by 2030 with the 59% compound annual growth rate, which if all goes well, it'll be tremendous to be one of the uh, pioneers of growing that. I'm one of the first movers in that space. So Black Manta um, is the first uh, broker dealer that has been regulated in this way in the European Union. In Europe, we have other initiatives in countries like uh, Switzerland and the UK, which are now not in the EU, um, where there are some other regulated entities, but uh, we're the first in Germany and the first across Europe. Um, the other thing that maybe is worth pointing out now is that the way broker-dealers work in Europe is slightly different than America, and the license that we have does enable us to go to retail. So um, it's something that uh, sometimes is forgotten when we're talking to some of our American partners. So <clears throat> if we look at Black Manta, uh, we call it a multi-STO platform. So we're agnostic to the type of security that our clients wish to, 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 um, to sell or broker. It can be debt or equity, it can be um, derivative, it can be some sort of hybrid of those. I think that we will see lots of innovation with uh, with blockchain and with uh, and with digital assets about different types of assets. 
But our aim is to be agnostic to the type of asset and indeed the type of blockchain or the, the, the tech stack that's used. What's important is that security that is uh, organized in some way. So uh, what we aim to be as a, as a company is a one-stop agency. So uh, for the technical, financial and legal needs. So when you look at how this should be arranged and organized and brought to the market, our team has uh, experience in that space. Um, uh, you know, we may be a small team, but we have legal and financial experience that is absolutely relevant to the space and indeed fund experience too. Um, we're a new company, so we don't have the, uh, the thundering herd of Merrill Lynch created yet or anything like that, but we do have a growing uh, retail and professional investor pool. And I think that 2021 should see that grow significantly as um, the industry matures a little piece and uh, more investors are getting more comfortable with, with onboarding into the space. We're also putting together a partner distribution network. We do have uh, broker-dealer partners in the US. We also have uh, partners in the Middle East, in, uh, in Singapore, and, and quite a number of other places looking to partner with us because many people look to Europe and they, they come to us and they see us as a, as, a, as a great partner in Europe and wish to partner with us in their home country. So that partner distribution network is growing and hopefully will become more and more powerful as time goes by. So <clears throat> if we take a quick look at what a security token is from an issuer's perspective, uh, quite a bit of this is quite similar to what you would see in for any other security. You're, you're basically um, structuring it properly, getting the documentation in place. Uh, what's different here is that you're, instead of making the paperwork to go out to people, essentially you're making the tokens to go out to people. And then you have to have your marketing and placement strategy, and then you issue the, the token. Uh, and if you're working with us, you issue it through our portal, which gives you, as I say, access to all of the European Union, and depending on the type of arrangement and structure that has been put in place, either professional, institutional, or, or retail investors, or some combination of those. I can talk a little bit more about that um, and the example that we give of the one that we have done last year, uh, which was a retail one, and took advantage of some of the um, rules uh, applicable for smaller raises that I can explain in a while. So from an investor perspective, this is the hopefully where things are going to get uh, much nicer and better for, for investors. Uh, the way that the um, arrangement is, is that it should be relatively painless to onboard, to even to KYC and AML. Um, all of that, uh, you, you know, you should be able to do um, online if you have everything, you know, ready. So then you basically then choose your uh you sign your wallet, you choose the project that you're going to, and then you can make a transfer. Uh, in, in Europe and in, in, in Germany in particular, uh, we can do fiat and we can do Ethereum and Bitcoin. So the way that our KYC and AML works is that uh, we have sufficient um, knowledge and control over the source of funds through the, the processes that we have that is acceptable for us to accept those cryptocurrencies. Hopefully we will have more in the future, but for now we have fiat, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. So once that transfer is made, then the the, you know, the investment is made, and the uh, the investor receives their investment. So hey, Brian, uh, yeah. sorry, so, sorry to stop you. I I, I apologize. Just no worries, listeners. Do you mind just sticking on item number two and maybe going into a little bit more detail on KYC and AML? Just what that may require from from an investor standpoint. Like, uh, what do those exact steps kind of look like? Mm. Uh, so, um, 
Black Manta is uh, regulated in Germany, so we follow the rules that uh, Baffin uh, lays down. And the rules in Germany are coming under the whole European AML5 uh, directive. So there's there's a and, and generally AML is kind of it's kind of consistent across most countries. I think what is a little bit different about our process is that we have to do a video um, as part of the KYC. So there's both the documentation review. So it's the you know the usual that you would expect. You're going to be looking at the where the person is from, you know, validating who they are, where they live, uh, their source of funds, and you also have this video. So if you're a, a, an investor that will be coming on board, you know, it, it, it just follows a process, and uh, and then you're a, a customer of ours. Now, then because we're a financial institution, um, quite often. Uh, Clients of ours might have some needs of their own uh, when it will come to identifying their customers. But the process that we have typically, especially with the video and things like that, is more than nearly every other country needs. So we're able to share that you know, appropriately with everybody's you know, permissions uh, so that uh, you know, we can be that, that kind of source of KYC and AML for every other participant in the project for the clients that will come through that now. It's, and it's a lot of this can be done just with like your smartphone, right? As far as taking the video of yourself, it's almost like a video selfie for, for a lot of terms. It's more than a video selfie. You actually talk to a real person. So, um, yep. so it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned I moved back to Europe recently and I'm only getting used to this because when I lived in Singapore and Hong Kong, there was uh, different requirements and I was never talking to a real person. And, you know, um, you know, you'd, you'd have your documents and you would, um, the, uh, you know, describing them in a particular way that passes certain securities. It's not that difficult. It doesn't take that long. Um, you know, it, it's like all of these processes at the end of the day, it's fairly standardized. Yeah, perfect. And then number three, and I'll, and I'll leave you alone and let you get back to it on uh, transferring the your wallet data. There's a lot of wallet providers out there, right? I mean, you could Coinbase is the one that I use, but you know there's some pros and cons with that one. There's there's multiple other options available to investors, and you guys are open to uh, whichever wallet they currently operate with. Is that does to summarize? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. Um, you know, at the moment we've pretty much operated within an Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, that that may or could change uh, in the future, but at the moment. We don't have any stipulations that say the, the wallets have to be arranged in a, in a particular way. Obviously, with some of the FinCEN stuff that was coming through in the US and indeed in countries like uh, the Netherlands and Europe, uh, sometimes there is um, either attempts to or ideas about having um, uh, more, more regulation around the wallets. But at the moment, uh, to, uh, you know, we, the, the investor comes along with their wallet and when they're identifying themselves, much the same as identifying a bank account or something, they will ident identify the wallet. Yep. So pretty, pretty seamless process, just a little bit of a different nuance. Uh, I've been through this uh, KYC AML um, and, and kind of uploading my wallet process. Uh, it's a few steps, really not that painful. And after you go through it, it, it they're basically all the same, uh, maybe with a few different nuances with um, video over a snapshot of photos, things like that, but yeah, pretty painless. Yeah, indeed. Like if you're ready for the thing, and you have all the documents and stuff, you know, you're, you're, you're through in a, in, yeah. in a half an hour. It's, it's not that hard. No, perfect. Sorry about that. I'll let you get back to it. No worries. Uh, keep asking questions. Uh, 
it's no problem. So yeah, that's that's kind of the SDO process there from an investor's perspective. So <clears throat> um, we have a small number of um, of, of of projects that are on our, our website already. Um, you, you know, you can log in there and you can see them from the US. It's not geo-blocked, but of course you can't make an investment because uh, it's for European investors typically. But, um, you know, we have uh, Spice VC, Cosmo X and INX up there live at the moment. Um, if you look at the pipeline that we have, we see lots of real estate, we see lots of funds. We see quite a considerable number of tech companies, especially blockchain tech companies who are, who are in this space who uh, are looking to tokenize some part of their, 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 their fundraising. And we see commodities. So uh, we see, there, there, I would say that if I look at our business at the moment, we see a lot more activity from, um, from issuers than investors. And that's going to be, the, I think, one of the key evolutions of, uh, of this year is uh, with, uh, I think, with both uh, hard work and a dose of luck, we're going to uh, finally crack the, the investor side of it in 2021 because across all of the STO world, that is the piece that's been lagging. But, you know, that they're the use cases we see. And, you know, we get lots and lots of inquiries uh, every day. Uh, I have I didn't check before this, but we probably have something like 60 or something in a pipeline uh, of, of, of people looking to, to use their services. So um, then real estate investment, some challenges with it. You know, um, no. Real estate is uh, quite a, a diverse sector. There's lots of different pieces of real estate. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways you can go in. You can go directly into the property itself. Uh, that that theoretically is possible. Uh, again, you're getting down into very specifics around countries and what you can or cannot tokenize. What uh, we would so we don't we do see uh, projects coming to us with direct investment in the in the property, but generally we we would see it through some sort of structure. So we would see it through a fund, through a company, uh, or through some other type of structure where uh, an investor can can get access uh, to the product. Um, other challenges we see with real estate um, is the high entry thresholds. We'll talk about that in a minute about what we did with the project last year. Uh, we can't get around some of the complications with cross-border transactions. At the end of the day, uh, these tax rules and other investment rules uh, still apply. It might be tokenized security, but it is a security. Um, it depends on the type of security that you have about the, the process of ownership transfer. Obviously, we are looking to streamline that and make it as quick and as painless as possible so that either there's a formal or um, secondary market or an informal secondary market, but opening those up so the liquidity is there. Um, there's, there's, there can be high transaction costs, especially if you're moving the actual property and it's capital intensive. So you know, these are very generic things, but um, if we look specifically at um, at uh, at um, some of the advantages that tokenization uh, can can give us, um, it should be able for an investor. It should be able to give you access to global assets. So we expect to see marketplaces emerging uh, that will facilitate access uh, to assets that maybe were, were more difficult to access in the past. Uh, we should have twenty four seven access to markets, so markets never close. That's a bit of a blessing and a curse at the same time. Uh, a lot of traditional market participants are quite uncomfortable that things never close. Um, the transactions should be quick. They should be low cost. They should enable better diversification. Uh, we expect to see lots of different types of property assets coming through. And uh, when the marketplaces get moving, you know that will give a lot of choice. 
Uh, there should be, uh, the, the process should be very secure. And we should be able to engineer situations using the technology that we have that uh, we enable smaller investors to get involved in some of these projects. And indeed, when we come on to the example that we're going to talk about in a moment, um, you can see that we did enable small investors to get into a project that typically they would never be able to see or be able to participate in. Uh, for real estate owner, owners, uh, this should be, as it matures, an efficient and scalable way at, at, at attracting capital. Uh, there should be more liquidity and an access to retail investors that maybe was not possible under old scenarios. Uh, there will be different ways of uh, looking at fractional ownership of property. Uh, we will eventually see some standardized transactions and some rules. At the moment, um, everything is kind of ad hoc and new, uh, so we, we haven't really got to that standardization yet. We should have a global investor pool uh, as we as these things come together. Again, the 24-7 secondary market. Uh, compliance, hopefully, using technology, again, will become a less painful uh, part of the process. And overall, uh, we're looking at a situation with a lower cost. So the, the use case, this was the Tigris uh, project. Uh, this was a residential real estate uh, uh, development in Berlin. So the whole project volume was 11 million. And uh, what was done, what was tokenized was a 2 million slice of that. Now, the reason for 2 million was in, in, in Europe, we have the prospectus directive. And in the prospectus directive, it, it offers for smaller fundraisers um, the opportunity not to do a full prospectus. So much cheaper uh, way at uh, putting together the documentation uh, to um, address uh, certain constituencies of, of investor. So this particular size, this 2 million, worked very well for Austria and Germany, which was where the offer was. And this, the documentation was very lightweight, like in Germany, it was only three pages long. It did have to be signed off by the regulator, but it was only three pages long. And that, that document allowed the uh, the public, the general public in both Austria and Germany to participate in this uh, in this uh, offering. So this was, you know, this was a development for just, you know, standard size apartments. The lowest investment amount was 500 um, euros. So a very small uh, investment amount. And this was tokenized participation rights in the, in the mezzanine part of the, the financing. So you have, you know, a relatively high yielding um, you know, expected IR of uh, 8% with the profit share that was in there, um, uh, property investment from 500 euros. So, so something unusual uh, and something new. So our experience of that was uh, that the, the, if I was, that was the first one that we did. So I think that if I look at it, even though it was all sold out, there was uh, the participation of uh, retail investors was something that was, um, uh, something that we would like to improve upon and do more of. Um, I think that when you look at how to approach these projects, um, there's no getting away from marketing and uh, and uh, making noise and getting in front of people. And uh, just because it's tokenized isn't going to do that for you, you're going to have to uh, be, be careful and deliberate about how these things are, are advertised. So um, that piece, and indeed retail across all of this space, I think is something that needs a lot of development. So this was the this was the Tigris project that we did, I think, uh, about ten or eleven months ago, and um, and as I say, this was done in Austria and Germany. So this was the that was that's the presentation that I have. 
Uh, one last thing before I finish. I, I talked to a few people today. Uh, I just said I'd take a, a temperature check from some people uh, who we work with just about what they would see as the challenges. Um, and some of them chime with some of our experience. If we look at the, um, if we have a look at the, the Tigris project, you know, I remember speaking to an asset manager and they had not invested in a digital asset before. Uh, so they needed to get a custodian and the custodian that they required needed to have certain characteristics. So it was actually a bit of a challenge to find a custodian who could deliver for them. So I think that moving investors from that traditional method of investing to some of these new ways of investing is something that uh, takes some time because you're moving, like especially real estate, you know, there's a lot of old school kind of methods and markets in the place and uh, they can be quite slow moving when it comes to change. So I think that's one of the challenges that we have. Another one that came up a couple of times is questions over regulation. And I think that we're comfortable with regulation and I think the clients that we have are. But when it comes to investors, sometimes they hesitate a little bit because they're not entirely sure about where regulation is going. And again, that's a, that's a learning process that we have. The other thing is um, getting large-scale developers into uh, into this um, into this uh, into this space. Um, I do think we have a movement coming. We have we have you know especially in America we see uh, we see more action with, with with larger players. But you know the labs project that I, I referenced that is the chairman of that is from one of the big property owning families in um, in Hong Kong. So they you know a multi billion dollar portfolio. And, and he's chairman of this new initiative, who's a partner of ours. So I do think that uh, those larger scale developers do need to be attracted in. We need to get more of them in. Uh, need to get the brand names behind some of this uh, that will really help the market. But again, it's a challenge in that they're not here yet or they're not all here yet. And uh, it takes some time to get there. So when we get all of those things, hopefully the liquidity and the other features of this market that we are all hoping will make it distinctive and better will come through. So yeah, that's, that's my... That's my few slides, my little bit of a presentation. I'm happy to, to take questions um, and, uh, and to chat for as long as you wish. Fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you very much. Really, uh, it, that was an exhaustive presentation. Really enjoyed it. I want to confirm, when you're talking about custodian, it's not the guy cleaning the stairs in the, the hallways at the uh, Berlin. Uh, so could you explain a little bit about what a, a custodian does? Well, uh, it's a kind of a, a traditional uh, custodian, like uh, the bony melons and stuff of the world that aren't actually active in this space yet. In Germany, again, you have uh, some new, there is a, they, they have introduced some laws and regulations that have uh, caused a lot of um, custodians to emerge there. So we're quite lucky. So traditionally, this would be some sort of bank that would provide a service. So if you're an asset manager and you're, the way that you're arranged is that you're not supposed to self-custodized things, you know, you're not allowed to own that. You're, you're, there's meant to be that buffer between you and, and your client where there's an independent custodian as part of your mandate. That's the type of custodian we're talking about. You know, in, in, in Europe, we have um, some of the German banks now provide this. So if you need a, you know, a financial institution, it's there. And also in this digital asset space, there's a, there's a whole plethora of new players that are coming out. And, you know, in the US, you have a couple of big strong players coming through both in Fidelity and Prime Trust and things like this. So that type of custodian is what we're talking about. Okay. And I, I got one more question for you. Um, do you think that Europe and Asia are farther ahead with security tokens than, than the United States right now? Very hard question. <laughs> uh, and it's sort of one that is almost mood-based in that 
this whole space is very new. Like if you look at, for instance, if we take a look at um, at any of the, the exchanges, yeah, you take T zero or Fusang, you know, in, in Asia and our Artex in Europe, they all have very low volumes, so everything is new. So I would say that um, there are certain parts of 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 Asia and Europe that have certain things going on that maybe America doesn't. But America, at the end of the day, can move very, very quickly. We see the new head of the OCC over there has uh, made a big impact in a very short time in how banks approach uh, digital assets. So uh, you look at, say, Singapore and Germany, I would say they're ahead of the curve. Uh, but I wouldn't say America is you know, lagging back too far in the distance. I think, it, it, you know, it, there's, there's ways that it can catch up with these places that are not that far ahead. Okay. Thank you. Brian, right. using, using your crystal ball, sorry to jump in. Uh, a crystal ball, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to make you bring like a crystal ball. I'm, I'm curious to get, you know, what do you, what do you estimate the growth is going to be over the next five to 10 years on digital security offerings? I know you're really close to this. You're obviously a lot of people yeah. are and you guys to market their product. Um, would love to just get your opinion and thoughts on, on where you see it going on, from a growth standpoint. Uh I'm, I'm probably the most biased person in the world to ask, given that uh, <laughs> I'm a partner in a company like Black Manta. Uh, so I see a glorious future, of course. Um, so, but what do I see? I see, uh, I see that there's both uh, new companies and innovators like ourselves doing things. Uh, I think that's important. And, you know, when you're pushing something, it's always important. But if you're looking to make an impact on the financial world, that means that uh, some of the, the, the traditional players uh, need to get involved. And I do see that happening. Um, uh, if I look across Europe, you know, SocGen in France, one of the largest banks there, they have a digital assets uh, team. They have a, a, a subsidiary for tokenization. So they're, you know, they're going forward with it. You go down to Spain and look at Santander. That's huge all across Europe, but also in Latin America and indeed in the US. They have, uh, they have a team, run by an Irish American actually, who does uh, digital investment banking. Uh, and then you look at the, the other. So I, I look at traditional finance, and they're they're getting involved. Maybe it's not the top of their list yet, but yeah. what we have is the innovators are innovating, and the the bigger players are going. Okay, we can't lose this. We need to stay on top of this. And I think I think that this has a momentum uh, that will see very significant growth in the next couple of years. When it comes to the numbers, you know, if we had two trillion in a couple of years, like the European Commission says, that's that's a good number. <laughs> That's yeah, twice what the whole crypto market yeah. is today. Yeah. It's a lot of liquidity. No, yeah. 100%. And, and you guys work with so many different investors. So this is this is probably a selfish question, but I'll ask it anyway. With so many people onboarded, you know, what do you think, what's the feedback been, both positive and negative, for people that, that are owning these digital securities? Um, and may, hell, maybe it's all positives, but I'm just kind of curious to get your feedback on has there been one kind of new, you know, nuance or, or nuisance for the investor that they say, "Man, I'm going through this. I wish this was a little bit better," or you know what, I really love it. Uh, no difference from from a private investment. Um, I think anyone who's come through it, I haven't heard anybody giving out and complaining about it. We still do have investors who say, "My mandate says I can't do this, so give me a piece of paper. I'm not investing." So, but so they they haven't really changed. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, um, um, I don't, I think anyone who comes to it 
in, uh, I think, is a good experience. There's so few assets out there, and they're not trading yet. You know, there's no real liquidity. So I think we're even before you can have proper feedback. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, when we have uh, many more assets out there, we have secondary markets going and things like that. That's when the real testing and the real proof will be. Yeah. The moment is just not enough asset out there. Yep. No, that makes sense. We're hearing the same thing from our end as well, which is going to take some time to mature. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of your chicken and egg. You can't have loads of investors on unless you got loads of assets. So yeah, can't get lot. Then the asset owners are going, but you don't have loads of investors yet. So we're right at that moment where I think the infrastructure has been built and now it's the time to, to use that infrastructure and, and bring the, the asset owners and, the, and the, the investors together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it just opens up so many different possibilities. Yeah. Like this year, as I say, you know, we work with Fusang in Malaysia. We work with, uh, you know, INX in the US. We work with uh, Archax in, in London. All of these basically have no assets there yet. At the end of this year, all of these will have lots of assets. So I think this year will be a big year for that change in development in the, in the market. And if you get to that trillion-dollar number like we were talking about earlier, then I think it makes it a lot more easier. Um, and again, there's going to be a lot more trading options as well. Yes, 100%. All right. So we had some questions come through here from the audience, and we want to encourage you guys to also follow up. We're going to break the ice with Evangelos's question. But again, want to maximize this time and, and the opportunity you have here to speak with Brian. So, uh, Brian, Evangelos asked, how many $500,000 euro investors or is it euro, <laughs> 500,000 euro investors um, did you have in the Berlin project? And was that the average investment? And how long did it take you to cover the 2 million euros? So was it 500 euro? I think it was the thing. I, I actually don't have that number to hand. Um, I, I'd have to ask Alex. I was coming on as a partner when that was launching. Um, so I don't, there wasn't a great number. You know, we're, we're talking maybe a hundred or something at the maximum. And then the, because it was a 2 million raise, it was a couple of bigger investors filled it out. There we go. So I, I, I don't know the number. I do know that the whole retail piece was not that fast. It was the beginning of the first lockdown in Germany and Austria. So the timing was probably not the best, but the, the retail side, also the, the, the person who's behind it, he's a property developer, but he's also, um, he's a, an enthusiast for technology. So he also wanted to test this out and see how it went. So we had a modest amount of, uh, of retail, and uh, but there was also a modest uh, amount of kind of marketing effort that went into it. It looked pretty successful, though, from um, when I, I saw it, because I, I thought that they had raised most of the money within, you know, 60 to 90 days. So it, from, yeah. from my perspective, it, it looked pretty impressive. So. It was a small raise, uh, so you know it doesn't take much to. Fill it I out. I understand, but just uh, you know, for a, a completely brand new thing, you know, and uh, two million is not 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 that small of a raise. So, you know, compared to other stuff, so it it seemed pretty successful to me, which is why we initially um, were attracted to Black Manta because uh, we said if these guys can sell this, they can sell anything. Well, I think we're at the beginning of a process, and uh, I, I, as I say, I hope that in this year, that the numbers of people participating and who will be involved will grow exponentially. Yeah. All right. Uh, another question. This may have been touched on, but let's reiterate it. Who is the most popular custodian in Europe right now? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, 
I know that there's, I, I don't, is there like 40 or 50 of them or something in Germany alone? Uh, you know, so there's just quite a few. Um, who's the most popular? I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, when we are dealing with clients, as I say, some have uh, very particular needs. They might need, you know, a financial institution or they might need somebody who has an omnibus account or something like this. So uh, I cannot think of a leader in, in Europe. There's nobody, like in the US, I can think of prime trust and fidelity straight away. <laughs> uh, but in Europe, there's nobody comes into my mind like that. All right. And this one is from Jay Whitcop. What is the typical split between retail and institutional investors you see? Uh, and you can use the project in Berlin maybe as an example. We see very few retail at the moment. So it's, uh, it's primarily non-retail. Where do you see the most investor demand coming from right now? Also hard question. Uh, um, uh, we're obviously European based, so it has to be in Europe. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to even think around where it is. It, it's, 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 uh, it's fairly spread. Like we're, we're Germany and Austria, I would say that's where we're based. I'm the only non-German or Austrian on the team. So they're, Roots, their heritage, their 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 networks are there. So in Germany and Austria is where we're still strongest. Oh, I thought your accent was German. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. I can I can speak it really badly if you give me a large beer. <laughs> no, I really just want to go down to the James Joyce pub down the street, you know, and uh, talk the crack. I'd love to join you, and when COVID is finished, I'm, I hope I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We got a question from Daniel Lev. It's uh, is it difficult? And he comes from a background a background in in dig, digital transformation and, and blockchain as well. So he just wants to know for you: is it difficult to explain the blockchain technology and onboard new investors um, to understand it? And then, what methodology do you use to do that? I think I think that's one of the major challenges that's there. Um, I think when you're looking at security tokens, digital assets like equities and debt, you're really not looking at the technology first, you're looking at the quality of the asset first. So it's not like looking at Bitcoin or something like this that is, um, you know, sort of divorced from bricks and mortar. Real estate is bricks and mortar. So I think the first thing that you're looking at is, is, is the quality of the investment. And the second thing then is the, is the, is the you know, the digital security piece. And then you know, as I said, you're, you're speaking to them about how it is that they can fit it into their process to purchase it. It's an individual. It tends to be fine. It's easy enough. If it's an institution of some description, they may need to have a new custodian. They may need to change mandates and things like this and, and processes. And you, you basically have to just handhold them as best you can through that process. Sure. And we got about five minutes left here. A couple more questions coming through. We got another one from Evangelos. Uh, regarding marketing efforts and refinancing that 2 million uh, euros for Berlin, what was the expense slash budget in marketing to get those 100 investors and which platforms did you use to make the project public? For example, Facebook, Google? There was, I would say that there was, on, there was only a few thousand spent on it. I don't know the actual number. I can find it out and give it to you guys later. Uh, there was definitely some Facebook done and definitely some LinkedIn, um, but there was a very modest spend on that, very modest. See, Daniela is here. Daniela, got your question. Hey, um, Brian, have you heard of Lieberland? I have, I have heard of Lieberland. It's a small 
Ireland and the Danube uh, that um, theoretically is its own country. <laughs> yeah, we have a few Lieberlandians, including myself here on the call. So that's pretty oh, cool. Very good. I have met some of your representatives and uh, I know your ambassador in, uh, in, um, in, in Singapore is a Finnish guy who was involved in crypto. Okay, all right. Stefan Rust, we just had him on the... Uh, is, is that uh, Billy? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, actually head of the... He, he's setting up the, the companies um, for Liberland now. Uh, I, I've actually... I came across a couple of other people as well. Is Ruben Godfrey involved in things like this as well? I think he is. He's, I think he spoke at the anniversary, yeah. yeah. And, um, and we'll have to get you one of these, Brian. It's an e-residency card. It sounds like you're... <laughs> On track for one, so I have I've been around that part of the world. I lived in Hungary, which is obviously just north of there. Right, uh, but I've never set foot in Liberland yet. That, that's why we call Adam the Voice of Liberty because he does the the Liberland show. Okay, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so uh, I have heard of it, but never set foot there. <laughs> one day, one day. Okay, so last question. We got another one coming from Jay Whitcop. So tokenization as a service in parentheses suggests Black Manta operates a digitally automated system or web services? Do you offer APIs to third parties? Uh, so if you come to us and you have nothing, we can we can tokenize the asset for you and do everything, okay? Um, if you come to us and you're, for instance, like Cosmo X, and you come to us, our, our Spice VC as well, they're both with, um, they're both with Securitize. We have a fairly basic connection with uh, Securitize at the moment. And as our business grows, I think we will expand and have nice API connections to lots and lots of different players, be they tokenization uh, stacks like that, or exchanges and, and, and so on and so forth. But we're in the early stages of building things. And I would say that the technology at the moment and the way it's linked together is fairly clunky and needs to be um, uh, probably built out over the years, as you'd expect. Can I ask a follow-up question to that? Aside from Securitize and SolidBlock, um, what are some of the other um, tokenization platforms that um, you've seen? Oh, there's, there's so many. Uh, we used to say that there was more tokenization platforms than tokens. <laughs> uh, you know, you have, you have Swarm, you have DigiShares, you have uh, Tokeny, who are our partners, you have... Uh, the labs team, they have their own one. Um, there's several in the US that I can't even remember the names of, but there, there's, there's, there's a lot of them. And um, it's, diff it's for, for us, if, it, you know, if somebody comes to us without a tokenization platform, we can help them with it. But quite frequently, our, our clients, when they do come to us, they already have something, so we end up working with them. So we see a lot. Okay, thank and you. And there's other clients who build their own. <laughs> right. So, uh, I'm not sure why you do that, but you know, each to their own. All right. And so as we wrap things up here, Brian, what is the best way for anyone tuned in right now to follow up and get in touch with you? Uh, if you go to Black Manta website, you can get our details. I'm Brian at blackmanta.capital. Um, I think I'm fairly easy to find. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just send us an email, send us a telegram, a signal, uh, WhatsApp, Whatever, whatever floats your boat, they all work. <laughs> and it is blackmanta.capital. Blackmanta.capital, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And if anyone has any questions for us here at the Chicago Blockchain Real Estate Collective, you can connect with us or contact us at hello at libertyfund.io. So 
Thank you, everyone, again, for joining us here today at the Chicago Blockchain Real Estate Collective. Our next meetup will be next month, February, and the guest is to be determined. But I know Michael has some very um, unique ideas up his sleeve. So really looking forward to, to what we do there. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the meetup page, which is meetup.com slash CBREC1. That's meetup.com slash CBREC1. That's number one. Um, before, also, you know what, before we close it out here, Michael, Jason, you guys can kind of decide who goes first here, but just want to know any updates on Liberty Real Estate Fund. I know we've got big plans for 2021. Well, I'm going to let Jason handle Liberty Real Estate Fund, but I, I do want to let everybody know that there's replays. Uh, this will be posted on the libertyfund.io website, and there's replays of every other Chicago blockchain meetup. Just go to libertyfund.io events. Um, and we have the, the replays that not only do we have excellent guests like Brian, but uh, we've had some exceptional speakers, including um, Jamie Finn from Securitize and uh, some other really you know great, great speakers. So if you're interested in the space, go to libertyfund.io events, and it has a lot of information. Now I'm going to turn it over and uh, give it to the clean shaven uh, haircut man, Jason Ricks. Yeah, I had that beard for a while. It, uh, yeah, it, it looked good for a minute and then it got really gray. So um, putting all this fun stuff together has definitely brought on some new grace. Uh, really excited. We, we plan on launching the fund in, in February. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Adam, it's just really kind of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, specifically on the foreign structure piece. But uh, couldn't be more excited. Uh, our thesis, as we see it unfold with COVID, um, we couldn't be happier with our with our concept, even though it's probably a little bit of confirmation bias that we laugh about. But we're seeing some really good activity in the cap rate movement right now. Um, we feel really strong. We've added a couple of different categories of uh, providers within the fund, and ultimately just excited to get it launched out to everybody and and uh, you know help others build wealth. So uh, stay tuned. I know we're going to have a webinar coming soon, Adam that uh, Michael and I and you will put together and we'll be uh, blasting that out to everyone who's on our email list. And um, yeah, look forward to the next Chicago blockchain meetup and, and look out for our newsletter soon uh, regarding our, uh, our podcast. Uh, and I just want to pump one more webinar because Adam and I just did last week. Uh, if you're looking to know a little bit more about net lease properties, um, we did the seven secrets of, of net lease properties, which kind of, explain in detail uh, what a net lease property is and why they're so exciting and why they're such a, a fantastic, uh, you know, investment, especially right now when people are looking for, uh, to quote my name, a flight to quality. So <laughs> there we go. And that also backs nice. up what Brian was saying, which is, you know, it's the quality of the asset that comes before the technology. And so, yeah, that, that's on the libertyfund.io website as well. Right, Michael, if they want to yes. see that repo. Yeah. But, and also I, I do want to say that Black Manta has some great information on, on tokenization. So go to blackmantacapital.com too. Or is it blackmanta.capital? But blackmanta.capital. And uh, while I'm interrupting, I'd like to say thank you very much to everyone for the opportunity to speak. Um, and I hope we're all getting set for a fantastic 2021. Perfect. Thank you.
I was going to ask Brian. you to, to, get, to close us out there, Brian. You beat me to it. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, everyone, again, one more time, thank you for investing your time with us here today. If you enjoyed today's meetup, please be sure to subscribe on the platform that you're tuned in on or directly on the meetup website, which we mentioned is meetup.com slash CBREC1. Um, check the show notes as well. And be sure, as I mentioned, to, to do all of this because it helps us with our SEO overall visibility, and most importantly, bringing on top quality guests like Brian. So thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.